Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Mark Zickery has written and produced hundreds of hours of series, TV shows, pilots, and feature films for most of the major studios and networks. Mark has founded the Space Command Studios, a production company based in L.A. and London dedicated to making TV series and films that are socially relevant and inspiring. He's got his own YouTube channel now. He's also the author of several books, including Magic Time Trilogy, The Twilight Zone Comparison, companion and uh, green lighting yourself mark always welcome back my friend great to be here george it's always such fun what is new with you these days oh boy <laughs> what what a loaded question right yes well well first of all um i should say that i'm you know i've uh, i've decided to do the the twilight zone audio commentaries the episode commentaries i didn't do on the blu-ray so i did 52 on the Blu-ray. Now I'm doing the remaining 104 episodes. So that's so I've, I've started a, a site called TwilightZoneCommentaries.com, where people can get an app, and actually twice a week they'll get the, these audio commentaries, and we'll be able to watch them with their Twilight Zone episodes. And so that's great fun. And then I finished the new book, Green Lighting Yourself, and we're shooting more of Space Command, and then, and I'm actually in discussions on the new Rod Serling TV show, so there's a lot going on. <laughs> oh, excellent. Good for you. How do people download the app? It's, if you go to twilightzonecommentaries.com, you can order it, and it's just right. It, it's all spelled out right there. So um, that's the easiest way to do it. And uh, Because, you know, all, all these years since I wrote The Twilight Zone Companion, you know, I have all these stories from all the hundreds of people I interviewed who worked on the show, and I was able to put uh, some of it in the Twilight Zone Companion, but not all of it. And so I very, I always knew I would do commentaries on all of the episodes ultimately, so that so that these stories wouldn't uh, be lost with me. And so that was uh, that's it's going to be great fun, and I'm going to have a lot of my friends, people who worked on Twilight Zone, like Bill Mooney and mm-hmm. Veronica Cartwright, and so forth, do some of these commentaries with me. So it's going to be really really cool. And it's it's a show that just seems to live forever, Mark, doesn't it? Yes, yes. You know, I was they just flew me to uh, Binghamton, New York, to Rod's hometown, and for the Rod Serling Fest, I was guest of honor there a few weeks ago, and I got to, you know, um, have meals with Rod's daughters, Jody and Anne, and it just keeps going. You know, when uh, Carol Serling, who was Rod's widow, who we just lost a, a little while ago, you know, every time I would run into her over the decade, she would say, you know, aren't you amazed how this thing just keeps going? And I think it's because, you know, great work lasts, and uh, Rod, Rod created something really, really amazing. Tell us about the, uh, the event at Big Ben. It was so cool, because um, I'd never been to Rod's hometown, uh, you know, surprisingly. And so to see the home, the home that he, he grew up in is still there. It looks exactly the same, this white house. And uh, the park that inspired walking distance uh, is, is there. And it was just amazing. And the carousel, you know, the carousel that you you see the the duplicate of in Walking Distance, all these it was it was just like walking through a Twilight Zone episode. It was really, really quite wonderful. That's good. Did you ever have a chance to meet Rod Serling? Well, you know, I, when I was a student at UCLA, one day he he gave a talk there, and I had a final that day, and I chose to take the final. If I could go back in time and choose the other path, you would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He but, would have. Uh, he would have liked you. Oh yeah, and he's and you know I I came upon a video of him teaching a class where he would screen a Twilight Zone episode and then talk about it, and that was Rod totally candid, not televised at, at all, and so I feel like I knew him. I feel and also of course all the research I did for the companion, um, 
you know, I really feel like I got to know, know Rod very well. And he was an amazing, amazing man. I'll always remember the story that uh, you said that here in his Los Angeles home, Carol let you in the attic. And yeah. You were rummaging through Twilight Zone scripts and things that you had never seen before. Yeah. It was amazing. Well, you know, up in the attic, there were all these heavy brown leather volumes with every article ever written about Rod Serling in chronological order, just a, a whole shelf full of these big, thick volumes. And also another thing that was up in that attic were uh, Rod, what, what, what Rod would do to relax, because he was so prolific, is to relax he would make airplane model kits. And so there were boxes, boxes of airplane model kits that he hadn't gotten around to making, and they were up there in the attic too, because Rod, of course, sadly died at, at age 50. So, uh, so it, was, it was really quite, quite uh, melancholy to be up there, but it was great. HBO is airing a series called The Twilight Zone Episode You Never Got to See. Yes, yes, What's, yes. Tell us there about was, this. Well, it's really amazing. Rod, in, in 1964, Twilight Zone was still on the air. That was the last year uh, new episodes were made of the original show. And at that same year, Rod wrote something called A Carol for Another Christmas. That's basically a modern, updated retelling of Christmas Carol, but set in the atomic age. And it was very much a Rod Serling script, very Twilight Zone in nature, and prior to HBO running it, it was almost impossible to see it. And it stars uh, Peter Sellers and, and just uh, Pat Hingle and all these amazing actors, even Marie Saint. And it's really like a 90-minute Twilight Zone episode. And I just came upon it. The HBO has released it for the holidays, and it's, it's quite a rarity. And, and previously to see it, you'd have to go to a university archive and put it on a moviola and watch a 16 millimeter print it was that rare i don't think it ever was broadcast from 1964 on and and now it's on hbo in a gorgeous print and you can you can watch it it's really rod sterling writing at the height of his career so it's it's quite a a wonderful uh wonderful lost lost episode how many episodes were there there were 156 twilight zone episodes uh, and over five seasons and rod wrote 92 of them so he was astonishingly uh I mean, the quality of, of writing was just amazing. And the other writers, of course, Richard Matheson, Charles Beaumont, George Clayton Johnson, Earl Hamner, they were, they were giants as well. And, uh, and Rod really, uh, really had an, an amazing group of writers working with him. And you were saying that some time ago that he would float in his pool with his dictaphone. <laughs> well, dic- he would lounge dic- beside the pool in the mornings. He would get up in the morning and lounge by the pool in his swim trunks and dictate the Twilight Zone scripts. And he used to joke that he was the only uh, writer who could write a script and get a tan at the same time. That's uh, Now, these are the episodes he wrote, right? Yeah, yeah. He dictated the. Uh, he was one of the few writers who could dictate a script. R- Richard Matheson, who was one of the other Twilight Zone writers, told me that he tried to do it and he couldn't do it. But, but they thought that all those recordings were lost of Rod's dictation, and they just found a thousand of them in, a, in oh a my God. archive. Priceless. And it's Rod dictating scripts and dictating speeches and dictating letters. And so I'm proposing a new show called Rod Serling's After Twilight that Rod would narrate from that material, and that would be made up of unmade Rod Serling scripts, and there's a ton of those. And uh, so that's so I'm now in, in uh, uh, discussions with Rod, the Rod Serling family and, and the estate to... Uh, to see if we can make that show. I'd, I'd, I'd very much want to. Oh, that would be fantastic. And he would, what, change characters while he was dictating and things like that? Yeah, yeah he, he, he would describe the shots. He would, he would act out the different characters. I mean, he was really uh, uh, an amazing man. I mean, I, you, when you listen to him dictating these scripts, it's, it's phenomenal because he's playing all the roles. He could just go into that. And, uh, you know, he, had, he was, I mean, he was unique. There was no really, really no one like him.
We're going to take calls with Mark Zakaria at the half here, so get ready to jump on board, and then we've got open lines next hour here for you on Coast to Coast. How's the Mr. Sci-Fi YouTube channel doing? It's going great. We, uh, you know, I, I started a couple of years ago, and it allows me to talk about science fiction, and when we're shooting Space Command, we've been putting episodes up on, on, on Mr. Sci-Fi. We've got our first hour on Space Command has been seen by over 3 million people with a 97% thumbs up. And, uh, wow, that's lunch, amazing. Having, well, today I was having lunch with a Netflix executive uh, who's very friendly uh, with me, and we're, you know, we're now proposing a slate called the Showrunners Network, where I'm creating six new shows with the creators of The Expanse and, and, and um, you know, Farscape and all these other shows. And, uh, and it'll be like a slate of six series. So Space Command is one of those. But, uh, but if people want to get a jump on that and see, see the, you know, the first few episodes of Space Command, it's there on Mr. Sci-Fi on YouTube for free. You know, I, and uh, so it's 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 hugely fun to have my own studio and be be able to to put out my own my own shows to the whole world. It's 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 terrific. Can I say I knew you when? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to know me always, George. I mean, we've been kindred spirits from the, from the mo- first moment that we began to have this conversation. Oh, we've we've we've, we've clicked, haven't we? Over yeah, the years, yeah. it's been something else. And uh, yeah. tell us about yeah. the evolution of Space Command. This is a great story. Thanks. It's um, well, you know, I grew up. Um, uh, with Star Trek, the original Star Trek, and I got to visit the set when I was a kid, and it really formed me as a as a writer and as a person. And and I realized that with Twilight Zone and Star Trek back then, Rod Serling and Gene Roddenberry, they wanted to create shows that would inspire people to create a better future, that would create you know that where, where we could reach across boundaries and, and barriers and 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 actually build a future worth living in. And lately, I noticed that a lot of the science fiction shows, their message was, well, the future is going to be terrible, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I thought, well, that's that's a terrible message to send out. So I thought, well, let me see if I can create a, sh- a science fiction show set in the future, set in outer space, uh, that would have a, an inspiring, positive message without being Pollyanna or, or, or you know, rose-colored glasses or any of that. And I didn't want the networks or the studios to decide if the audience ever saw it. So I reached out to my, my fans, my audience, via crowdfunding and selling investment shares. And to date, they've given me over $3 million. And no way! Yeah, amazing, huh? And it allowed me to open my own studio. We've shot seven hours of Space Command so far, and we're still going strong. We're going to shoot the entire season and and keep going. And so uh, it's and it allowed me to write what I wanted to write and cast who I wanted to cast, like Bill Mooney, like you know um, uh, Veronica Cartwright. We're going to be working with and Doug Jones from Star Trek Discovery and Gates McFadden. I mean, all these people, uh, Mira Furlan from Deep uh, from Babylon Five. You know, I didn't have to ask anyone's permission. I just called my friends and said, "You want to be in this show?" And they all said. Yes. So. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. And you've had fun doing your own thing, haven't you? Oh, every day is Christmas. Elaine and I are writing and producing and directing together. My wife, you know, we've been together 45 years, and she's the best part of every day. And uh, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm like that little boy on the Star Trek set when I was 10. You know, it was just like a dream come true. And so I get to do that every single day. We're building an alien spaceship now at my studio. So and we're building two eight foot tall creatures and robots and I own 15 spacesuits. I mean, how cool is that? You know, so, uh, so I'm, I'm a happy camper. Definitely. Well, that's great. I still have the Ray Bradbury letter yeah. that he wrote me when I did a uh, editorial about, uh, I sing the body electric, his twilight yeah. zone script. And he just, he loved the editorial. It just made yeah. him so happy, and he wrote a letter to me about that. Yeah, and, and I think I think that speaks to you know Ray was a very dear friend of mine, and uh, and he was very he was a ch- he was childlike, not childish, but childlike. He kept that sense of wonder and that sense of gratitude and joy, 
and and I think you really have to stay connected to that. And uh, and you ha- definitely have George, and 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 I have too. You know, it's it, you have to find enthusiasm and passion, and and not let the world erode that. And uh, and that's and in fact the the new book Greenlighting Yourself. That's what it's about. It's basically for writers and directors and actors and producers where they can build their own dream and not wait for the studio or the network or even publishing companies to uh, to make their dream come true. It's how nowadays with the internet and with digital cameras and all that stuff, um, you can you can reach the whole world. It's what I've done and and in the, in that book I wanted to share share that with with people who want to do the same. You know, um, uh, it's it's not that hard. You just have to get the right advice. And uh, so I'm, I'm I'm really glad I finished that book. It's going to be out in the next few months. It'll be in you know bookstores and on Amazon and everywhere good books are sold. But uh, but it was just a way of you know sharing what I've learned and what I've what Ray Bradbury taught me and, and others taught me. Tommy producer Tommy still uh, quotes a number of Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, when he latches on to one or two that he loves, yes. I mean he just uses them all the time. Yes, yes. Well, there's so many great quotes. I mean, you know, it's a cookbook. Or, you know, room for one more, honey. I mean, there's just so many catchphrases from Twilight Zone and. Uh, you know, I was I was joking with someone else, uh, recently where like, what did people like nowadays? We'll, we'll have a weird experience. We'll say, God, it was just like I was in the Twilight Zone. But before that, what did people say? Did they have to say, well, we'll have to wait until 1959 to, to be able to describe this because there really is no other phrase that fits so perfectly as that one. Just and, a few uh, days ago, I was talking about Little Girl Lost, the girl who fell into another dimension. Yes, that's just. Yeah. I mean, what a great mind he had, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, and you know, and it really takes. Looking at the world, I mean, you know, and seeing, sort of looking at it sideways and seeing possibilities where other people don't. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, they had such great directors and such great actors. I mean, I, you know, I, I recently cast Veronica Cartwright in a new show I'm creating with Rock Neil Bannon, who created Farscape. And, uh, you know, Veronica Cartwright starred in I Sing the Body Electric as well as Alien and The Birds. And, and to be working with her is, again, a dream come true. You know, because you look at all the amazing actors who are on Twilight Zone. You know, we, you and I, you know, are friends with Bill Mooney, but also, my God, they had Lee Marvin and Robert Redford. Shatner. He started Shatner. Shatner. Exactly. Elizabeth Montgomery, all, on and on. I mean, my God. And, uh, and it just, it just holds up. You watch those episodes now and there's, uh, you know, they don't, they don't lose a, a, a bit of their power. No, not they're, at they're all. They're more relevant now than ever. And then he had classic people like Burgess Meredith in there. Yes, yes. And it was, uh, he was in four episodes. He was in Time Enough at Last and Princess Devil and The Obsolete Man. And, uh, and he was just amazing. It was great when I interviewed him. Uh, he, uh, you know, he told me that, you know, Rod Serling, he said like a great many writers or like many good writers, Rod listened more than he talked. And, uh, and he really, he had a rapport with Serling and, uh, and Time Enough at Last, where he's the last man on earth is just, it's unforgettable. I, I mean, it's just, it's one of the high points of television. How did he work with his writers? Did he tell them the idea or did he turn them loose and then he worked with them? Yeah, Rod, the, the thing that was interesting about Rod was um, he he was very much an idea factory himself and he was churning out script after script after script with the writers. When he got that team of, of Richard Matheson, Charles Beaumont and George Clayton Johnson and Earl Holloman, he, they would kind of pitch ideas or they would have written short stories that they thought would make good episodes. And he would just kind of let them, once they, once they had it kind of nailed down, he would let them 
just go. He would say, he said to them, we will shoot the drafts that you write. And they didn't believe him at first because so many other shows would just, you know, take their scripts and chew them up and spit them out. And they were amazed when the scripts that they wrote was what got shot. And so he really trusted these writers. They were uh, amazing talents. And, uh, and he, he, he gave them a free hand. He really gave them a free hand. I remember the uh, one on uh, The Fever, it was called, about yes. a guy who got hooked on a slot machine. Yes, Franklin Gibbs. Yes, and he, uh, that's a great episode. And Everett, and Everett Sloan, you know, he was in Citizen Kane previously. He was in Patterns, which was a great live TV presentation that kind of put Rod Serling on the map. And, and in that, he plays a guy. Well, you know, Twilight Zone is very much about people who either rise or fall. They're given, they're, they're put in a fantasy situation that either allows them to rise to the occasion, like Shatner in Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, or Franklin Gibbs, where he's kind of a stingy, kind of, you know, miserly guy, and then he gets the gambling fever and it does him in, you know, so, you know, so, or, or you know, or the one with the machines that come alive, you know, and, uh, and all of those things. There's, so it's always a test of someone's moral fiber. And, uh, and again, these, that's why these, these shows, these episodes last so well, because uh, they're about the human condition. And that's yep. and so something like Monsters of Dawn Maple Street and mob psychology and hysteria. I mean, my God, you look at the newspapers, you know, in the last few days, and you can see where Monsters of Dawn Maple Street is, is more relevant now than when Rod wrote it in, in 59. The name Bartlett Finchley, ring a bell? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. A thing about machines. That's uh, such a fun episode with the with the razor that comes slithering down that staircase, and you know the electric razor and and the TV set. You know, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just it's just super fun. You know, the, the fun part about Twilight Zone is that it's serious, but it's also fun. And like like uh, will the real Martian please stand up? Where there's all these people stuck in a snowed in diner, and one of them is a Martian. <laughs> You know, and which which one of them is the Martian? And uh, you know, it's just it's, it's, you get a sense that these people making this show were having the time of their life, and were just seizing an opportunity to make something that they would love and that the world would love, and they succeeded uh, spectacularly. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at one a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.